the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. It is Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. Michael Schellenberger is running for governor of California, and he's damned interesting and worth paying attention to. I don't know if he will get on the general election ballot. He needs to come in second place today, which means he will have to beat the Republican candidate which means California could have a governor's race in November between the Democrat Gavin Newsom and no Republican opposition. Diane Feinstein had no Republican opposition in her last campaign. I give you jungle primaries, and I give you California. But while not a conservative, Dr. Schellenberger is conservative. That's an old William Buckley construction he used when asked about the conservative bona fides of candidates. Some spoke to some conservative thought and some sensibility, and some were totally imbued with it. Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan would have counted as those who were imbued with it. Each one was a conservative. I believe I heard Buckley once say of George W. Bush, he was conservative, but not a conservative, if you get the point. The instincts weren't there, but the policies and policy Choices leaned starboard. Leaned. You listen to Schellenberger any more than leans, but he won't admit to being, in fact, he will admit to not being a conservative. My inclination is to have a level of circumspection about this. It's not exactly the same, but it's close to my problem with Bill Maher, whose show Schellenberger was actually on this past Friday. He was on Adam Carolla yesterday. Bill Maher will complain and complain about liberal policy after liberal policy in the same language, say, Dennis Prager would. And then the difference is that Bill Maher will say, so we must defeat Republicans. It's kind of like Yogi Berra's reasoning. Nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. Or violence in our cities is so bad we should reduce and defund our police. It's that example, that last one, that has catalyzed and energized Schellenberger. He's trying to take on the fall of California from masochistic self-destruction. And he comes from farther left than Bill Maher ever was. He writes of himself, Schellenberger does, this way. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, I worked with a group of friends and colleagues to advocate drug decriminalization, harm reduction, and criminal justice reform. I helped progressive congressperson Maxine Waters organize civil rights leaders to advocate for needle exchange so that heroin users wouldn't get HIV AIDS. I fought for the treatment of drug addiction as a public health problem, not a criminal justice one. And we demanded that housing be given to the homeless without regard to their own struggles with drugs. Our intentions were good. We thought it was irrational to criminalize the distribution of clean needles to drug users when doing so had proven to save lives. We were upset about mass incarceration, particularly of African-Americans and Latinos, for nonviolent drug offenses. And we believed that the approach European nations like the Netherlands and Portugal had taken to decriminalize drugs and expand drug treatment was the right one. 
but it's obvious now. We were wrong. May I give you what this non-conservative and former Soros acolyte concluded? He writes, over the last 20 years, the U.S. liberalized drug laws. During that time, deaths from illicit drugs rose from 17,000 to 93,000 and now to over 100,000. Two and a half times more people die from illicit drug use than from car accidents. Five times more die from drugs than homicide. Many of those people are homeless and die alone in the hotel rooms and apartment units given away as part of the harm reduction-based housing first approach to homelessness. Others are children found dead by their parents on the floors of their rooms. What about mass incarceration? It's true that nearly half the people in federal prisons are there for nonviolent drug offenses, but there are eight times more people in state prisons than federal prisons, and just 14% of people in state prisons are there for nonviolent drug offenses, and just 4% for possession. Half of state prisoners are there for murder, rape, robbery, and other violent offenses. While it's true that both Netherlands and Portugal reduced criminal penalties, both nations still actually ban drug dealing, arrest drug users, and sentence dealers and users to prison or rehab. If somebody in Portugal started injecting heroin in public, what would happen to them? I asked the drug policy coordinator in that country. He said, without hesitation, they'd be arrested. And being arrested is sometimes what addicts need. I'm a big fan of mandated stuff, said Victoria Westbrook. I don't recommend it as a way to get your life together, but getting indicted by the feds worked for me. I wouldn't have done this without them. Today, Victoria is working for the San Francisco city government to integrate ex-convicts back into society. But people in progressive cities are today shouted down for even suggesting a role for law enforcement. Anytime a person says maybe the police and the healthcare system could work together or maybe we could try some probation or low-level arrests, there's an enormous outcry, said Stanford Professor Keith Humphreys. No, that's the war on drugs. The police have no role in this. Let's open up some more services and people will come in and use them voluntarily, they say. Why is that? Why in the midst of the worst drug death crisis in world history and the examples of Portugal and Netherlands are progressives still opposed to working with law enforcement and shutting down the street fentanyl markets in places like San Francisco that are killing people. Schellenberger says, The core motivation of the people I worked with was ideological. Many people, including many progressives, were libertarian and fundamentally believed the government did not have a right to tell able-bodied adults what drugs they could and could not use. But many more, myself included, were upset by mass incarceration and the ways in which incarceration destroys families, disproportionately African-American and Latino ones. But our views were too simplistic and wrong. Many things undermine families and communities of all colors well before anyone is incarcerated, including drugs and the crime and violence associated with them. And violent communities attract the drug trade more than the drug trade makes communities violent both scholars and journalists find. Schellenberger answers, the San Francisco Coalition on Homelessness has argued that the city must let homeless people sit and lie on sidewalks and camp in public spaces, including parks and sidewalks, if that's what they want to do, rather than require them to stay in shelters. Once you decide in advance to let victims do whatever they want, then much else can be justified. He goes on. 
Victimology takes the truth that it is wrong for people to be victimized and distorts it by going a step further. Victimology asserts that victims are inherently good because they have been victimized. It robs victims of their moral agency and creates double standards that frustrate any attempt to criticize their behavior, even if they're behaving in self-destructive, antisocial ways like smoking fentanyl and living in a tent on the sidewalk. Such reasoning is obviously faulty. It purifies victims of any badness. But by appealing to emotion, victimology overrides reason and logic every time. Victimology appears to be rising as traditional religions are declining. Unlike traditional religions, many non-traditional religions are largely invisible to the people who hold them most strongly. A secular religion like victimology is powerful because it meets the contemporary psychological, social, and spiritual needs of its believers, but also because it appears obvious, not ideological to them. Advocates of centering victims giving them special rights and allowing them to behave in ways that undermine city life, don't believe that they are adherents to a new religion, but rather that they are just more compassionate and more moral than those who hold more traditional views. Safe sleeping sites is the name San Francisco gives to parking lots of tents, of homeless addicts shooting and smoking fentanyl and meth. They are expensive, costing the city $60,000 per tent to maintain. Some people say they look like a natural disaster, but with city-funded social workers providing services to the people in tents, they look to me more like a medical experiment, albeit one that no board of ethics would ever allow. At the sites, the city isn't providing drug treatment. It's providing easy access to drugs. That includes cash in the form of welfare payments with which to purchase drugs and the equipment with which to inject them, as such progressive cities like San Francisco are directly financing the drug death crisis. People suffering from addiction and living on the streets are ill. To mix them up in speech and policy with people who are merely poor is deceptive. Leading scholars have for 30 years denounced the conflation of the merely poor with disaffiliated addicts. Yet progressive advocates for the homeless continue to engage in the same sleight of hand by using the single term homeless, tricking journalists, policymakers, and the public into mixing together groups of people who require different kinds of help. Progressives justify their discourse and agenda in the name of preventing dehumanization. But the effect has been the opposite. In defending the humanity of addicts, progressives ended up defending the inhumane conditions of street addiction. Progressive addicts Advocates and policymakers alike blame the drug war, mass incarceration, and drug prohibition for the addiction and overdose crisis, even though the crisis resulted from liberalized attitudes and drug laws, first towards our opioids from the pharmaceutical industry and then toward all drugs. This view is, on the one hand, a defensive and ideological reaction, but it is also an abdication of responsibility. And so while we should hold our elected officials responsible, we must also ask hard questions of the intellectual architects of their policies and of the citizens, donors, and voters who empower them. What kind of a civilization leaves its most vulnerable people to use deadly substances and die on the streets? 
kind of city regulates ice cream stores more strictly than drug dealers who kill 713 of its citizens in a single year? And what kind of people moralize about the superior treatment of the poor, people of color and addicts, while enabling and subsidizing the conditions of their death? I say this is being called mugged by rea- this is to be called mugged by reality. What's so unfortunate is this line of thinking is not new. It's just been labeled conservative, and that's the danger in making pariahs of your opponents. Bad policy, doubled down upon, where people die more and more every year, all in the name of some misprioritized compassion. I suspect as in the 1990s, we are going to see a massive reaction to all this misplaced compassion. If we do not, be prepared for more social destruction and fallout. And yes, you can chalk all this up to our ongoing mental health crisis as well, a crisis the left thinks is a conservative dog whistle when we talk about it, which makes its own sense since the left is willing to let fellow Americans both think they should live like dogs. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm Seth. If you're looking for a remarkably and uh, great investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at YRefi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. They are offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secured portfolio. They're in the business of helping people dig out a debt by actually paying off their debts. Their clients even see FICO score recovery like they never have before. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm run by really great people who are doing really well, and you can be too. As I say, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R E F Y.com, or give them a call at 855 316 3087. That's investyrefi.com or 855 316 3087. There is an, a wheels-coming-off-the-cart kind of view I have of this society, our country, lately. When you look at what's happened, as I was just talking about in California, we'll have Erica Sandberg on in a few moments. She's our journalist in San Francisco who covers this stuff so well, writes for City Journal and other places. Um, certainly, certainly you see it there. Certainly we saw it. And you see it today still with uh, COVID dead enders. Certainly you see it, and it's been around in the civil rights movement, particularly with the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matters movement. There's something going on, too, with how we're teaching our children and how people are advocating for the sexualization of them and are gaslighting those who think this is unhealthy for our children's mental and emotional health, even as our opponents talk about social and emotional learning. And now I have to tell you, this is, this is just another symbol of a society that I, I think is getting sicker. I, just, I, just, I never would have guessed this could be possible. 
Attempted Reagan assassin John Hinckley sells out New York City concert venue. Let me read this to you from Fox News. John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot President Reagan in 1981, reportedly will perform a sold-out concert in New York City in July. Hinckley, 67, sings and plays guitar and hopes to pursue a music career. He shares his music on a YouTube channel. The would-be assassin was set to perform the sold-out show in Brooklyn at the Market Hotel, citing the venue's website. Hinckley had previously tweeted that he will take the stage at 7 p.m. on July 8th. When he appears, set for what he called the John Hinckley Redemption Tour, appearances in other states have been canceled. But the one in New York is going ahead. I don't know if I want to address the people in government who are allowing this to take place. I don't know if I want to address Twitter and YouTube that think it's okay to let this madness fly on their platforms while regular talk condemning the sexualization of children and the like that I was just mentioning is banned on those platforms. But what the hell is wrong with a country where it has people who want to go see the would-be assassin of Ronald Reagan perform his music? It's not as if they've been fans and followers of his art for years, is it? What is it? What is this attraction towards the weird and the dark? What is this attraction towards a level of psychopathic countercultural behavior that could only be dreamt up of in such movies? as the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. I thought that movie was fiction. It had a huge attraction. It had a huge attraction, obviously, because people found it either interesting, rewarding, or they could identify with it. I saw it. It was an emetic. It should have been vomited out by the American people, not accepted and adopted. I just I, I I I have ongoing worries about this country. I really do. Our discussion with David Riaboy in the last hour only began to scratch the surface of it. But what do we do and say about a country whose countercultural revolution is so strong that what shocked the conscience yesterday is defended as healthy and sane today while the opponents and people who are shocked are gaslit and scapegoated. Boy, I think we're in big trouble here. I just do. All right, bear with me. Erica Sandberg coming right up. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. When we want to understand what's going on uh, in California, uh, there is no one better than Erica Sandberg. She is the nation's top consumer finance finance expert and freelance journalist. Uh, she uh, writes a lot about the goings-on in San Francisco, particularly with the homeless, the drug, the mental health crisis. You've read her work in City Journal. She has uh, been on this show several times. Big elections, big day in California today. 
I knew I wanted to talk to Erica. Thanks for joining us, Erica. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, pretty crazy here today. Well, th- yeah, tell me a little bit about it. Uh, I did a monologue uh, kind of talking about Michael Schellenberger's candidacy, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. But tell me about the crazy that you're seeing. Well, this is the day that we get to decide uh, whether or not the DA, Chester Boudin, is recalled. And it is it is a massive decision. So it's going to impact both San Francisco, California, and then, the, you know, the, our, all eyes are on us. So it's, it's very tense right now. What is the main issue uh, on that recall, and how do you guess it might turn out? Well, the main issue is crime. Yeah, it's really it, it, there's what, what we what we hear from the media and we hear from political uh, insiders. Uh, they want to have a sense. They want a perspective that's that's out there that's not true, um, which is crime's not down, everything's fine. <laughs> when we know a hundred percent as residents, I've been here almost all my life, thirty four years. I have never seen crime like this before it's insane it is absolutely and it affects everybody so the message that is put forth by the the leaders and the media outlets is so false and it it really does them no no good right because they look like fools um (laughs) you know we know what's up and that's that's really what has inspired this recall is people are no longer safe Erica, when it comes to San Francisco, the DA, crime, what's the greatest myth the, the, the corporate media perpetuates, uh, and, and, and what is the truth behind it? Well, I would say there's a couple. Okay. One is that uh, Chester Bedeen is doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Why are we, why are we firing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is what, this is what you voted for, okay? Yeah. This is what you voted for. Um, so... No, the answer to that is no. That is not what we voted for. Certainly, even people who didn't vote for Chester Boudin, the assumption is is that as a DA, you are going to make the city into a safe and just environment for everybody. For for citizens, visitors, small business owners, business owners, you name it. It's going that that's the that's the intention. Make it safe. Mm-hmm. It has not happened. Therefore, just based on that alone. You're looking at an excellent reason to say you are fired. Mm -hmm. You're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see it. You know, we we see the lack of justice being handed out across the board, whether it's murderers, theft, uh, uh, people who are stealing from stores right, left, and center, um, and uh, just mayhem, just general drug dealing. Drug dealing is off the hook. So, no, no, Mr. Boudin, you are not doing your job. So uh, I would say that's that's really first and foremost the messages from the media that that's that's not happening. You know that he's just doing what his promises are. But the other message is is just also false. Crimes down. Yeah. No, it's not. They 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 get away with saying crimes down in some senses, don't they, Erica? By redefining a little bit what a crime is. I mean, I I would I, I I've noticed, of course, they do this with with with. You know the price—the price, the price that, uh, that 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 triggers a felony or a misdemeanor. I mean, that's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is by talking about um, uh, victimless 
uh, crimes when it comes to drugs. They're not victimless. I want to get into that with you. But how do they, with a straight face through all the fact checkers that we all know exist, get to say that crime is down? Well, you just kind of hit the nail on the head okay. right there, okay. you know, which is right. Well, part of it is the, the redefinition. Right. right. Okay. So if, if, if it's not called. So a I can I, I, I have that. a really handy way to deal with the sex trafficking problem. Just okay, make here. it all legal. There's no more sex. There trafficking. you go. Yeah. OK. No more sex. trafficking. Okay. <laughs> let me take let me right? take a quick a quick break. This was a quick segment. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this and then some of the ideas you have been propounding in your journalism over the years that it looks to me like Dr. Schellenberger has picked up for his statewide race. If we can pick up on that when we come back from the break, I'd be delighted. You can follow Erica Sandberg's work on Twitter, at Erica J. Sandberg, or, uh, you know, check out her website, ericasandberg.com. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I'm Seth. Uh, delighted to have with us a uh, journalist and uh, finance expert, Erica Sandberg. She uh, is our uh, go-to when it comes to issues uh, having to do with politics and social society, um, civility, uh, civilization, frankly, in California. That's kind of what's been destroyed, it seems to me, Erica, reading your work, having visited the state, talking to others. There's this sense that a certain kind of civilization people used to love about America, including beautiful cities in California, that that's what's been destroyed. And it's hard to accept for people who haven't visited or don't live there because they have these images of San Francisco. And, of course, their political image of San Francisco are people who do very well, people like the Pelosi's and the Feinstein's and the Newsom's. Um, There's another side to this city um, and there's another side to this story, and it's very, very dark, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, I mean, we have, unfortunately, the leaders, and I always use kind of air quotes in this, I can't help it, <laughs> yeah. have just let the city go. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, you don't take the garbage out, it's going to build up. And that's what that's what we have let it become, is just filled with trash. Um, and metaphorically and realistically, and a big... Truly, because there is the city is filthy. Um, but I do have to say, I mean, the the sweeping under the rug about crime is so bizarre. My, I have a Trader Joe's three blocks away from me. Yesterday, a man was getting into his lift after shopping, middle of the day, and he was robbed by two guys with assault rifles. Middle of the day, beautiful neighborhood, my neighborhood, where I send my child out to pick up some extra things for dinner. Um, the falsehood that people are perpetuating is is just devastating. So this is why we are taking action. And it really is the reason for the recall. It's a reason for change. I'm actually optimistic. I can't help it. It's my nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. I'm, seeing, I'm seeing people come together for the first time. Um, I've said it before, and people didn't believe me. Now people are believing me because people are coming together. Sometimes this recall will happen. Well, sometimes addicts get to recovery by hitting rock bottom, um, and 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 I suppose that's probably true of societies and states. You know, after a while, New York City decided we need Mayor Julie, we need Rudy Giuliani as mayor. Uh, they did that in Indianapolis. Uh, maybe maybe California has hit rock bottom. Let's hope it doesn't sink further. Right? I mean, the the the. It seems to me that the two devilish notions that keep 
pushing this under the rug, as you say, sweeping it under the rug, come to um, come to the notion of compassion and victimization. And I think it's misplaced compassion and misplaced victimization. We're not doing anyone any favors with these, um, shall we say, what, progressive policies, misbegotten policies? How do you describe them? But we're not it's not compassionate, is it? It's, it's not compassionate. It's not even progressive. I mean, if you look at what progressivism is, it's, okay. that's not progressive. It's you're letting people suffer and die. That's not progressive. I don't. E- I don't even know what you would call it. It's um, sadistic cultic. and masochistic is, at the it, same way. It's a weird sadomasochism right. in a sense, right? It, it is. It is. It's, it's it, it, very it, it, cultish. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we need we need a complete change. This is. Not acceptable. It's not acceptable to see people in such dire circumstances without being attended to, without being helped. Um, and it, a lot of money is changing hands. Uh, we have an enormous budget here. Nothing is getting done. So who's benefiting? I'd like to know. One of the things I was so impressed about Dr. Schellenberger's uh, writings, speeches, and his campaign for governor is his willingness to as to stand up and 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 talk about this issue of drugs fueling the problem um, and crime fueling the drug problem and drugs fueling the the human destruction problem? It is happening at the same time. I am seeing more and more major cities talk about and advertise and promote what they call compassionate use, safe sites. <laughs> Tell, tell the audience about compassionate use and safe sites, Erica. Absolutely, yeah. So there's safe consumption sites where um, these are sort of medically supervised places where people can go and usually inject drugs. Um, I don't know how they're going to deal with the fentanyl, which is consumed with foil and a straw, and you smoke it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to be doing dealing with that. Uh, but these are typically injection sites. Uh, do they help? Well, I suppose people probably won't OD while they're in the site, so I, you know, that can that can be beneficial. But it's really not what people want. Because they have, have doctors never, there with Narcan, they won't overdose. That's why. Oh, you know, they have medical professionals. Medical I professionals, doctors, I should say. Right? Sorry. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, no, but and, and so there's this idea that this is it. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. And when they don't work, they say, oh, and because people still OD, because they leave, they're not always going to go back to these places, and they still OD and die. We've got two people perishing on our streets every single day in San Francisco. Two Two every single day. Think about that. So when those don't work, then we say, you know, what we really need is we need to double down, Mm -hmm. and we need to offer safe supply. So we need to give, this isn't giving methadone, this isn't suboxone. What what we need to do is give give free heroin, Mm. give free fentanyl, give free meth. That's what we need to do. So you see this progression into insanity and then into complete utter bizarre insanity. It gets worse and worse with this mindset. It's exactly what we don't need. What we need and what people actually want is recovery. This, if, you give, if you present somebody with this option, you say, you know what, we don't want you to live like this. You don't want to live like this. Here's how we can help you get out of this and be productive. Self, self-sufficient, independent, healthy, in, uh, emotionally healthy, physically healthy. We can help you do that. We refuse to do that. We say, harm reduction, here, have some drugs. Here you go. Have your drugs. We'll, we'll, we'll just make sure that you stay alive barely. That's what we do instead. And if you don't think that that's 
both stupid and immoral and I don't I don't know I don't know how to help you. I, I get you, that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I analogize it to people who have a desire to swim with great white sharks and we're just going to provide them Kevlar rather than killing the damn sharks and keeping the beaches clean of people going into them. Erica, um, let's catch up later in the week and talk about the results, if that's cool with you, if you'll be around and available. Absolutely. I'd love to get an after, after report. Erica Sandberg, for the sake of your city and your state and really country, May uh, may your endorsements come through, and I and I hope they will. And and we will talk again later this week. I really appreciate you That's so lovely. much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. EricaSandberg.com, folks. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. Portions of the show brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com is the website. Their fruits and veggies. I take every single day especially great in the summer uh when uh you know you're <laughs> in this heat <laughs> especially great especially if you're athletic or active trust me on that but it is all natural pure potent plant power when i say all natural i mean 100 percent, not 99 and 44 100 percent it is 100 percent all fruits and vegetables even the capsules they come in nothing added and third party tested for everything i love it blend of 15 whole fruits, and 14 whole vegetables. I take it every day. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. Michael Schellenberger talks about the average drug addict in San Francisco where he, running for governor, says the moral thing to do is to arrest the homeless drug addict. Does that sound mean to you? If it does, then you don't understand addiction or you're in denial about its hold over people. Listen to the parents and mothers of these children. It is true that these homeless and these addicts should have the first choice to decide whether to quit using things like fentanyl. But by enforcing laws against public drug use, we can give these addicts and these homeless the choice of rehab or jail. Why don't we? In a word, victimology. It's the three-part idea that the user is a victim, that victimhood is not a stage on the road to heroism, but rather a permanent state, and everything should be given and nothing required of victims. According to the progressive victimologists who run San Francisco and other progressive cities, the laws against public drug use, public defecation, and shoplifting should not be enforced because people are victims. Victims should be seen as sacred, and the system should be seen as sinful. As such, the thinking of the woke religion is that it is better to let these quote-unquote victims die than to enforce the laws, not only on the books, but of civil and human society. I think that's what's up for debate and vote in California today. Let's hope it never becomes up for debate and debate and vote in the rest of this country, though we are getting there. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.